Hello and welcome to episode 74 of Feckin' Metal. I'm your host, Fergal Trainer. Before we go ahead with this episode, I would like to thank everybody who got in touch with me after last week's episode where I spoke to Ollie, Oliver Weinsheimer, the organiser of Keep It True, and many other German heavy metal festivals, uh, which we discussed in depth in an interview that I did in early January. Lots of people found this a very interesting interview, including me, of course, which I stated at the end of last week's episode. And many of you got in touch with me to express this, so anybody who did, thank you very much. Mostly it's comments on Twitter or DMs on Twitter, um, or some of you just, you know, contact me in other ways. So thanks everybody who got in touch with me about that one. That was a real milestone for me, and I was very happy to get Ali on as a guest and hope to maybe meet him in person just to say hello at Keep It True in April 2023. Um, it's in a couple of months' time now. I just booked my hotel in a nearby town. Uh, there's no hotels in the area, really, so you have to kind of book somewhere that's close by and hope you'll be able to get a taxi home that night. And if I don't, it's going to be a 90-minute walk home every night, so... That doesn't sound too appealing, but at the same time, it's not the absolute worst thing in the world. I could walk for 90 minutes. I probably won't wear my boots, though. I'll, I'll make a judgment call on night one. Maybe wear my boots on night one. If I have to do a 90-minute walk in the boots, then that's a no-go for the next two days. Annie Road. Uh, it was sad to hear that uh, my fellow Irish podcaster and friend, Emmett, is finished doing the From the Depths podcast. We all know I struggle saying that. Um... As of the other day, he put a message up on Facebook and he mentioned that his real life commitments are being neglected maybe and that he can't find the time to do a podcast with his work college, his general life and his other commitments that he has. And it's something I can fully relate to and it's something I've expressed on this podcast over the past couple of years, however long it's been, two and a half years at this point. Myself, I, I've taken long sabbaticals, I've taken huge breaks in between episodes, um, unannounced sometimes, and it's when other things get in the way or when it all becomes so overwhelming that you can't do it all. And I was having a chat with Dan Mortimer, who's obviously one of the members of Armstrong Gun, and uh, he was a guest on my Arc Sabbath series as well, and he's also a friend of mine. But he knows Emmett a small bit, He have, having met him at Keep It True Rising last year in Germany, and I know he has been listening to From the Depths, and... I was just chatting to him back and forth. He was saying it was sad to see it going as well. And I was saying, yeah, but realistically, if you're doing a podcast and you're, especially if you're doing a weekly podcast, there's one area of your life at least that you're not focusing on or you're ignoring because to insert something like a podcast, which takes so much time up into your free time, which is probably limited, you're ignoring one one area of your life. I mean, I'm not going to mention which area of my life I'm ignoring. Maybe you want to guess that one privately to yourself. But sad to see that end. Maybe down the line he can do something with it again. Who knows? Never say never, especially in the era of things coming back from the dead all the time. Bands, faulty terrors, everything. A faulty terrors announcement I just saw today. Jesus Christ. Is nothing sacred? I wrote on Facebook. Isn't it? Is it? Clearly not. Anyway... I mentioned at the end of the last episode that I was going to use this opportunity to talk about some recent releases, some news, heavy metal news, the kinds of things I haven't done in a long time on the podcast and that I missed doing, but I found I wasn't putting in at the start of episodes anymore because I was focusing so much on the interview and giving that space to breathe and all that, and I felt tacking on an extra 15 minutes maybe to an interview that might have been an hour or an hour and 15 minutes in itself was probably too long for the episodes and to do even a small little news or updates piece justice or to play some clips from some songs that you've been enjoying recently it takes a while it takes 15 minutes half an hour maybe even longer to do that so what i'm going to do is sporadically do these episodes in future and when a few interesting news stories have built up and there have been a few recent releases that i would like to discuss then i will do an episode like this so and one of the biggest news stories in relation to heavy metal of the last couple of weeks ozzy osbourne mentioned on the 31st of January that he's cancelling his 2023 European tour where he was to be supported by Judas Priest and essentially announced the end of his tour and career. In a statement on the 31st of January, Ozzy said, This is probably one of the hardest things I've ever had to share with my loyal fans. As you may all know, four years ago this month, I had a major accident where I damaged my spine. My one and only purpose during this time has been to get back on stage. My singing voice is fine. However, after three operations, stem cell treatments, endless physical therapy sessions, and most recently, groundbreaking Cybernix HAL treatments, 
not sure what that is. My body is still physically weak. I am honestly humbled by the way you've all patiently held on to your tickets for all this time, but in all good conscience, I have now come to the realisation that I'm not physically capable of doing my European-slash-UK tour dates, as I know I couldn't deal with the travel required. Believe me when I say that the thought of disappointing my fans really fucks me up more than you will ever know. Never would I have ever imagined that my touring days would have ended this way. My team is currently coming up with ideas where I'll be able to perform without having to travel from city to city and country to country. I want to thank my family, my band, my crew, my longtime friends, Judas Priest, and of course, my fans for their endless dedication, loyalty and support, and for giving me the life that I never dreamed I would have. I love you all. So there you go. A quite a nice statement from Ozzy, actually, and... I thought it was classy for him to reference Judas Priest. And I myself put up a rather cold tweet, I reckon, uh, with the benefit of hindsight, when this news was announced. On the 1st of February, I tweeted, Inevitable, really. Hopefully Judas Priest can now play Ireland, free of the shackles of this touring commitment. As I said, in hindsight, this is a cold tweet. And afterwards, my feed was littered with an outpouring of, not necessarily grief, but sentiment about Ozzy Osbourne's retirement. People mentioning the fact that he'd given 50 years of his life to heavy metal. He, of course, was in the band that essentially created heavy metal. And we all know he's had a horrendous time of it over the last few years, as he calls out in his statement there that he put up a few days ago. Yeah, that was a bit of an insensitive tweet. Realistically, I was being selfish and I was thinking about my own self and how I'd like to see Judas Priest perform in Ireland for the first time since 2009 and they don't even get to play the UK it seems anymore since this touring commitment was announced with Ozzy in 2018 and postponed a number of times of course, sometimes for health reasons, sometimes for Covid etc. But yeah, Judas Priest hasn't played Ireland since 2009. They managed to sneak in a Bloodstock show in August 2021 in the UK but prior to that the last time they played the UK was 2018 so you've got 2019 they didn't play presumably because they were tied into a contract with Aussie the start of 2020 first three months I suppose two and a half months they didn't play anything then we had Covid etc etc but then 2022 again nothing even after everything opened back up and 2023 well we don't know yet so that was my reasoning behind putting up that insensitive and cold tweet and I do love Ozzy Osbourne for his music. I love his music with Black Sabbath. I love a lot of his solo music. Even his later albums, I always find something to like in them. He has a unique voice. Um, as Quinn would say on the And Volume For All podcast, he was an overachiever. He had an amazing career. So I didn't necessarily agree with these people that it was sad that he called it a day at the age of 74, I think, without checking. He had one of the best careers in rock music that anyone has ever had. I think it would have been sadder for Ozzy to continue in this kind of limited capacity that he has. He mentioned in the statement there that a singing voice is fine. I don't find that to be true. I think his singing voice is pretty bad based on uh, live footage I saw from some gigs he managed to do in 2018-19, I think, uh, on the No More Tours tour. And also the last time I saw Black Sabbath in 2016, I was at the Download Festival with my friend Kevin and we were watching Black Sabbath and we had seen them a few years before that in 2013. We were watching them there in 2016. It wasn't quite the end tour yet. That didn't come until the following year. But Ozzy was certainly sounding like he was at the end. His vocals were so bad that we were walking away from the stage because we had had enough and I didn't want to see them like that where even with the severely down-tuned songs he couldn't hit the notes really at all, to be perfectly frank. And then the opening riff to Children of the Grave came on and we said, oh Jesus, we can't miss this. So we went back up and watched Children of the Grave and watched Paranoid and that was it. And it was nice to see see the hear those songs and the rest of the band were all great, of course. But yeah, I think Ozzy was really at the end of his career anyway. So to see him try and force himself out onto the stage when he really can't do it anymore would be much sadder, I think, than any sadness people feel for the end of his career, which by any measure has been an absolutely enormous success. Seeing Lemmy out there in 2015 playing Glastonbury when he could barely even move, stand, hold his guitar, certainly not sing, he struck a kind of... He became this sympathetic character, and Lemmy, Killmister, 
should not be on the receiving end of our sympathy. You know, I mean, I know he went out by his own terms, on his own terms, whatever, and probably wanted to die on stage and all that type of stuff. But as the viewer, as the audience, as the paying audience, it was very difficult to watch that. And I even found it difficult to watch Motorhead in 2009 when Lemmy couldn't really sing. I think he started to lose his voice and people might make the joke, oh, Lemmy could never sing. (laughs) But he could, though. He could hold a note. He could hold a melody within his own style of singing and his chosen style of singing. So like Bob Dylan, for example, people say Bob Dylan can't sing, but he can sing within the constraints of the style of singing he's created for himself. Same with somebody like Tom Waits. Conventionally, no, he can't sing, but within... The Tom Waits model, he can sing very well. And Lemmy was struggling within the Lemmy model, I think. Ozzy was definitely struggling within the Ozzy model. And I don't think anybody needs to see that for too long. And I don't think anyone needs to do it for too long. As many people pointed out, he owes the fans nothing. He owes the audience nothing. Personally, I think no one owes anyone anything ever. Because once you buy an album, the artist has provided you an album and you've given them their money. So that's it. Once you buy a ticket to a gig, the artist does a gig and you give them their money. No one ever owes anyone anything in any situation, I don't think, when it comes to entertainment. You hear all these things like, you owe it to the fans, you need to do it for the fans, go back out one... No, it's absolute bollocks, it's it's a fallacy. But I definitely agree with people saying Ozzy doesn't owe anyone anything on that basis, but in general, of course, no. I think what people really mean with that is that Christ Almighty, hasn't he done enough? He doesn't need to be dragged around the world one more time. I certainly don't think he does. I don't know what it means in a statement about about his team trying to come up with ways when he doesn't have to travel from city to city, etc. I've seen people saying things like, oh, maybe he'll get a residency in Vegas. Uh, I thought he, he mentioned he was moving to the UK recently. Perhaps such a residency could exist somewhere within the UK and he could do that. I still don't think he's able for it. It seems like the last two public appearances he made, he just mimed to a tape. And one of them, he was literally propped up with a device holding him his back in place. We all know he's fucked with his back. So... I don't know if anyone needs to see that. I don't know if he needs to do it. I doubt he needs the money. So, look, thank you, Ozzy, for all the music that you provided to us for the last 50-plus years. You don't need to do anything as far as I am concerned. Of course, my opinion doesn't matter, but at the same time, I have an opinion, and this is a heavy metal podcast, so I know it's not going to factor in to your decision-making, Ozzy. But anyway, that's how I feel about that. Speaking of Judas Priest... I was reading an article there recently where Rob Halford mentioned that the new studio album isn't due now until 2024, which I was disappointed to hear. Um, We haven't had a Judas Priest album, of course, since 2018, and we had COVID in between and all that type of stuff, but Judas Priest were talking about this new album as far back as April 2019. Uh, If you look up historical articles on the likes of Blabbermouth or whatever, there's quotes from Rob Halford. Here we go. Sorry, back in in April 2019, there's a Loudwire article here where Rob Halford is quoted as saying, "Uh, Glenn's back in the UK now making riffs and going through, well, we have massive archives of riffs, it never stops. He also said, there will be another album from Judas Priest in the very near future. Now, to me, April 2019 and early 2024, in nobody's definition, equates to the very near future. Another band that announced to be releasing an album in early 2024 is Saxon. And just for comparison's sake, if you compare what Saxon have done versus what Judas Priest have done in the same time period, have a look at the productivity here. So Saxon released Thunderbolt in February 2018, and Judas Priest released Firepower in March 2018. So more or less the same time there. After that, let's have a look at what Biff Byford was up to. In 2020, he released the School of Hard Knocks solo album, his first ever solo album. In 2021, Saxon released a new, a brand new recorded album of cover versions called Inspirations. In July 2021, Biff Byford teamed up with his son, Seb, to release the album Heavy Water. In 2022, Saxon released the new studio album Carpe Diem. In 2023, on the 24th of March, Saxon are going to release another covers album called More Inspirations. Biff Byford also confirmed in a recent interview that there's another Heavy Water album finished and ready to go. And both Biff and Rob obviously had health issues during this time, etc. Biff Byford had heart issues, Rob Halford had a form of cancer, and they're both in their early 70s, but... And I know, sorry, that we can't expect bands to be releasing an album every year these days, and I don't expect it, but I'm looking at Judas Priest going, come on, like, time is ticking away, you could be so productive. As far as I recall, Rob Halford hasn't released any solo albums in that time either, because maybe you're saying, oh, it's an unfair comparison, you're comparing Biff Solo to Judas Priest, the band, but let me just check that for reference. 
my apologies, Rob Halford did release the Halford album, Celestial, in 2019. So you've got one Judas Priest album and one Rob Halford solo album versus... I can't even... I lost track of all the Saxon and Biff Byford albums there, but there was five or six or maybe even seven, I don't know. Yeah, it's kind of disappointing when you hear these things because you're like... 2019, you're hearing about it. 2020, you're probably hearing about it. Like, you definitely heard about it last year and in 2021. And you think, oh, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming, it's coming. And then you're like, no, it's not. It's 2024. And a postponement of a year is just like so flippant but it, it's so often that you hear it these days and you, you hear somebody coming out like well you're probably not going to hear the new anthrax album until 2068 at this stage because we're touring next year anyway and another thing i wanted to say about judas priest though to go back to my original point about me putting up that tweet about judas priest being freed from the shackles the thinking among people has been that they're not allowed to organize their own tour of the uk or ireland um, or possibly even some european cities i'm not sure but definitely the UK and Ireland, because of the contractual obligations they had to Ozzy Osbourne. But the day after Ozzy's statement, they released this statement of their own. We send all our love and support for Ozzy and thank our fans in the UK and Ireland, especially for your loyalty by standing with us. Right now, we're looking at feasible opportunities to see each other again soon and we'll post updates accordingly. So they mentioned the UK and Ireland specifically to me. Well, this gives me hope that they will be able to organise a gig in Ireland for the first time in over 14 years, and I'll get to see the band on my home turf. I did get to see them in 2022 at Copenhagen, and they were excellent, and they really took me by surprise at how good they were, especially Rob Halford, still at this age of his life, stage of his life even, and age of his life. But I would love to see them in Dublin. I'd love to walk up the road and be able to see Judas Priest like I have with many other bands, many other times. Um, It would be great to just get a bus into town and then go and to a pub and then watch Judas Priest and I think there's an audience in Dublin for it I know so many people younger than me by a decade or even more in some cases who love Judas Priest who wear Judas Priest t-shirts who buy their albums on vinyl who source their original pressings on vinyl in secondhand record shops they're still massively popular and I think the gap of time between when they last played which was the O2 in Dublin, which has now been rebranded the Three Arena, which I think holds about 13-odd thousand people. Well, the last time they played there, they had a, a tour called Priest Feast, and they had Judas Priest headlining, Megadeth second, and Testament third. And they, the thinking at the time was, oh, they probably needed those other bands to fill the place. I can't remember whether it was full or not. I don't, I don't know. Um, but I reckon on their own, without um, a weighty headliner like Megadeth, or sli- slightly less weighty, of testament i i reckon they'd be able to get a huge crowd into the three arena and i hope that they feel that it's within their scope as well to to do a gig of that nature because when you when you go down from the three arena you're talking about 2000 seater maybe places in dublin um or else you're talking maybe about some kind of day festival or some kind of touring thing like the priest feast who knows they're also rumored to be touring south america with iron maiden and megadeth next year so who the hell knows what's going to happen down the line Anyway, moving on again, uh, Iron Maiden have been announced for the shortlist for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame for 2023. This is not a repeat of an old episode of Feckin' Metal. This has happened before, and it's happening again. And I talked about it before, but it's newsworthy, so I'm going to talk about it again. So they've been announced on a list with other hard rock acts such as Rage Against the Machine, Soundgarden, uh, and a few more. This is the shortlist, of course, and according to Rolling Stone, the top vote-getters will be announced in May and be inducted in the fall, or that's autumn, to you and me. Or probably not, because most of my listeners are from the US, so it probably is the fall. I'm just kidding, America. You know I love you. Bloody blast statement from the chairman of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, John Sykes, funnily enough his name is. This remarkable list of nominees reflects the diverse artists and music that the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame honours and celebrates. These artists have created their own sounds, as opposed to other people's sounds, that have impacted generations and influenced countless others, countless, that have followed in their footsteps. To be eligible for this year's ballot, each nominee's first single or album had to have been released in 1998 or earlier. Obviously, Iron Maiden are well within that. I think 1979 uh, predates that quite a bit. It's the fifth nomination for Rage Against the Machine, the fourth for Kate Bush and the Spinners. Sorry, they weren't mentioned earlier in the article. And the second for Iron Maiden. So, yeah, um, Iron Maiden are eligible again for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Of course, we all know that Bruce Dickinson came out a couple of years ago and said he thinks the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame is a complete and utter bollocks. And I agreed with him the last time I spoke about this on my podcast as well. What really wound me up this time, though, and I'm not going to dwell on this for too much longer, by the way. What really wound me up was this. So, in an interview with Odyssey... 
Greg Harris, the president and CEO of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Sorry, I don't know what the difference is between him and and uh, John Sykes. Hold on a sec. Oh, John Sykes is the chairman of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Excuse me, all the hell. So, Greg Harris, the president and CEO of the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame, spoke about the fact that Iron Maiden is among the nominees for the Rock and Roll Hall of Fame's class of 2023. He said, We talked about Warren Zivon being nominated, a piano-playing songwriting guy, and then the triple guitar assault of Iron Maiden in the same class. It's really exciting and really fun now. Jesus. Maiden was nominated once before, but we're hopeful that after the success that Judas Priest had last year, that Maiden is inducted as well. We're thrilled that they're on the ballot. Let's just examine that statement for a second, right? We're thrilled that they're on the ballot. We're hopeful. You run the fucking Rock and Roll Hall of Fame. Or you and fucking Sykes. Who gives a shit? The two years, or the few years, whoever, run it. We're excited. We're delighted to have them on the ballot. You decide who's on the ballot. You decide the rules of this fucking made-up bullshit organisation. You could put them in tomorrow if you wanted to. You could put in Warren Zivon. You could put in Harry Styles if you wanted to. You could change the rules tomorrow. The rules are just something that you made up and can change. It's not an official organisation or an official body. There's no government involvement in it. There's no local arts councils who are fucking pressurising you into doing anything with it. You can actually do whatever the hell you want. So to say it's really exciting and fun, well, you decide whatever to do whenever you want to do it to induct whomever you like whenever with whatever rules you choose however you wish to do it so how can something be exciting how can you be thrilled that somebody's on the ballot you've decided to put them on the ballot you're thrilled with your decision you have self-satisfaction about putting iron maiden on the ballot decades later than they should have been should have been i suppose doesn't really come into this what do you think listener get on to me at feckin metal cast on twitter next on the agenda Another news story which I wish to discuss is the recent headline where I read Black Sabbath are doing an opera. Next. A final note in this news section, which isn't really news at all, actually. It's just me talking about the podcast. Um, I have been doing the best download numbers I've ever done in the history of Feckin' Metal. So thank you for that. Podcast started in September 2021. As part of the Feckin' Check-In Podcast Network, among many other podcasts I did with my co-host Toomey, and sometimes still do. For example, recently we released a new Feckin' Check-In, um, and then I moved it into its own podcast feed, separated from the Feckin' Check-In Podcast Network in October 2021. No, sorry. I started the podcast in September 2020, excuse me, and then moved it into its own feed in October 2021. Yes, that's what I meant to say. And yeah, it's... In January of 2023, it's done the best numbers it's ever done. There's obviously probably a lesson I can learn in there about consistency, but it seems to be steadily growing, and that is great to see because it makes it feel worthwhile that not only are people listening to it and enjoying it, but more people are listening to it and enjoying it. So thanks for that. Thanks for listening. Thanks for obviously spreading the word because I don't solicit this and I don't tell people to subscribe and I don't tell people to write reviews. So somebody is obviously doing that off their own bat. They're making that decision to do that themselves. Uh, People are finding it somehow. So I thank you for any way you have shared it in the past. If you have done that and you want to do that again, go for it. I'm very grateful for it. Anyway, it's growing well. But one thing I did notice, and I said this on the feckin' check-in, but just in case you hadn't listened to that, I've noticed the Twitter engagement on my post, especially about new episodes, is going down quite a lot, actually. It's, It's decreased massively. And I was reading these theories about oh put your twitter feed on private and then you'll get more engagement from your actual followers and elon musk apparently did this himself as a test i'm not sure what the results of that test were but other anecdotal evidence suggests that people who have done this put their feed on private found that their engagement increased uh, obviously that limits your posts your tweets from being read by people who don't follow you already but I have 700 and something followers. If I could get a higher level of engagement from them rather than getting four likes or three or two or one on a new episode tweet, then I would greatly appreciate that. So maybe it's something I'll try out. I'll put it on private. I don't know. I'll give it a test run for 24 hours or something. Um, You might say, well, if you're only getting one or two or three or four or five likes, then nobody's listening to your podcast. But see, the numbers tell me otherwise. That's why I mentioned that point about it. January 2023 being the best ever month I've had. The numbers are saying a different story. Yet the tweet response or engagement 
is low. Maybe you're thinking to yourself you should just be happy if you're doing good numbers, and maybe you're right. Okay, that's going to do it for this section of the podcast, and I'll see you in a minute. But in between then and now, I'm going to play you a little music. So that was a song called She Laid Him Down from the band Incubus from their album from 1984 called To the Devil a Daughter. You might remember Ollie mentioning this on last week's episode, talking about bands he'd love to book, but he can't get a hold of. Well, Incubus was one of the ones he mentioned. They released one album there in 1984 and nothing since, and he hasn't been able to find out anything about them or get in contact with them. The phone book coming up short. Anyway, if you like that album, the whole thing is available on YouTube, like most stuff from that era. Uh, There's always somebody who's posted up the video of the full album. So in this section of the podcast, as promised last week, I'm going to look at some recent releases that I have been enjoying and didn't talk about on the podcast before, most likely. Maybe I've mentioned some of them in passing, but as I said at the start of this, I haven't done this type of episode in a long time. So these things fall through the cracks. A lot of these albums were released in 2022, and I'm either only getting around to them now or I'm only mentioning them now. Most of this stuff is from last year. And the first one on the list is the new EP released in December 2022 by Tim Ripper Owens, this time just using the name Ripper. And it's his first release under his own name or under the name Tim Ripper Owens since the album The End of Prance, which was a collaboration between Tim Ripper Owens and Jano Baghumayan, Baghumayan, sorry, I'm destroying that name, which was released in July 2018. That was one I didn't get around to listening to but as a solo artist going under his own name or a variation of his own name it's the first thing he's released since the 2009 debut solo album called play my game now look everybody knows the story of tim ripper owens he's done it all really in heavy metal he started out being spotted in a judas priest cover band he was recruited by the band he appeared on the albums jugulator and demolition he was fairly much ousted in 2003 for the return of Rob Halford, something a lot of people saw coming, of course, um, especially after the return of Bruce Dickinson to Iron Maiden and that being such a huge success. He went on to be in Iced Earth for a couple of albums. That album he did, The Glorious Burden, the first one he did with them, is still one of my favourite heavy metal albums to this day, especially the Gettysburg Trilogy, the last three songs on the album. People say things like, oh, it's so patriotic, it's overly American, etc., but... I just think the music speaks for itself and maybe we could have done without where the eagle cries or when the eagle cries even but the music and the singing and the playing in the Gettysburg trilogy or even the song that opens the album hearing when Johnny comes marching home on electric guitar still gives me chills to this day the opening of Declaration Day and there's so many other good songs in that album anyway let's not dwell on that but yeah he was in Ice Earth he did the Framing Armageddon Something Wicked Part 1 album then in 2007 that had some pretty big songs on it especially 10,000 Strong I remember reading somewhere that Ice Earth had never been more popular than they were at the time of the release of Framing Armageddon Something Wicked Part 1 of course they got Matt Barlow back for the second part of that two album series uh, The Crucible of Man Something Wicked Part 2 uh, but Ripper Owens Tim Owens went on to be in a lot of other bands, a lot of other projects. Just to read out some of them here, he was in a band called Beyond Fear. 
they put out a full-length album in 2005. Another band called Charred Walls of the Damned, they put out a few albums. I listened to one of them, I think it was the one in 2016, and there were some excellent songs on that. Creatures Watching Over the Dead, he was in Dio Disciples a couple of times. He seems to be back in the band, but they have rotating vocalists. That's, of course, the Ronnie James Dio, or Dio the band, sorry, tribute band, which is endorsed by Wendy Dio and has former members of Dio in it as well. He was, of course, and still is, the singer in KK's Priest on that 2021 album, Sermons of the Sinner. It looks like they're starting to organise some dates for 2023 at festivals and things like that. So that will be interesting to see that going ahead in a live setting. I know they did that one gig a couple of years ago in KK Steel Mill, but really there's been nothing since as in a live perspective. Um, he was in a band called Leviathan Project. He's in the Three, three Tremors and a couple of other things as well. Um, that I've probably missed. A New Revenge, actually. That's an album I listened to as well, which wasn't too bad a few years ago. So yeah, he's done a lot. But he now has released a new solo EP as of December of last year. And it's a lot better than it has any right to be, in my opinion. You might think that's a disrespectful statement coming from me. Like, who am I to decide what right uh, released by Tim Ripper Owens has to be good? I lost my train of train of speaking there. Anyway, yeah, you know what I'm talking about. But yeah, this is called Return to Death Row, obviously playing on the name Death Row, which was a title of a track on the Jugulator album by Judas Priest from 1997. I don't really blame him for trying to do a Judas Priest tie-in. KK's at it now as well. Um, Les Binks is at it too, you know, in his, his side project band. Why not? Why not get a, an extra few eyes on your project by referencing Judas Priest, seeing as he's been virtually erased from the legacy of Judas Priest anyway, and those albums get no acknowledgement really from anyone else, especially the band themselves. Although, I did see recently that there's an official Jugulator t-shirt available on the Judas Priest online store. I've never seen that before, so maybe they're finally coming around to the idea of uh, acknowledging those albums, or it's quite possible actually it was probably because the album was 25 years old last year and they were doing some kind of anniversary thing. Anyway, Return to Death Row. This album, or this EP, sorry, has six songs on it. Um, they're all relatively short. You're coming in at like three minutes, three and a half minutes. The longest one is four minutes, 41 seconds. There's no epics on this, no lengthy tracks, just kind of heavy songs with nice choruses, decent drumming, good uh, screaming and singing from Ripper, and basically an album or a release that is a lot better than the release he had with KK's Priest in 2021. And it seems like he's inspired to me on these songs, and he did not sound inspired, in my opinion, on the KK's Priest album, Servants of the Sinner. So let's get into a couple of the songs here. Uh, the opening track, Return to Death Row. Here's the intro here. Very heavy intro. Nice drums. So that was just the intro there of the opening song, Die While We Are Alive is the name of that track. And I think, yeah, this is the first example of many examples of really catchy choruses on this release. Um, the next one there that I wanted to look at is called Silent Cage. It's track number four on the Return to Death Row EP. So have a listen to the intro here of this. see there it's a bit different from the first song I played a different kind of style of bassy intro um, and have a listen to the chorus now as well this is probably the best chorus on the album in my opinion and there's some nice background riffing to it too Backward, 
And a bit later on now, there's a bit of soloing that leads into a nice catchy bridge around the three minute mark. So here we go. Okay, so that was Silent Cage from the Return to Death Row EP by Ripper Owens, or just calling himself Ripper these days. To me, that's probably the best song on the release. Um, I might go through one more song here. So this one is called Heroes Dare. So have a listen to the chorus here. I think he sounds quite inspired. It's a very catchy chorus, another one. Seems like he might be talking about COVID in these songs, in a lot of these songs. That's the message I'm getting from them anyway. Sometimes it's hard to decipher the lyrics. I can't see any lyrics online anywhere, unfortunately. Um, and I'm just listening to this one on Spotify at the moment. But it's the last song I'm going to look at on the Return to Death Row EP by Ripper, Tim Ripper owns. But yeah, this is probably worth a listen and you might find something you like. Maybe you like some of what you heard there. Maybe you give it a couple of listens like I have. And I've enjoyed it, actually. As I said, a lot more than... Many of the things he's been involved with over the years, and certainly a lot more than Sermons of the Sinner by K.K.'s Priest. Okay, so moving on, I want to talk about Phantom Spell, which is the side project of Kyle McNeil, who is one of the guitarists and the singer in Seven Sisters, a band that I mention a lot because they're fucking brilliant. But Phantom Spell is fucking brilliant too, surprise, surprise. And Kyle does everything in this. He does the guitars, the bass, the drums, the singing, the songwriting, the arranging, and the producing and everything else, and it's an album that would be impressive if there was a whole team of people behind it, but because he's done it in this way, it's even more impressive. Uh, He released a couple of singles, one in 2021, one recently, but the main release from Phantom Spell so far has been the Immortals Requiem full-length album in 2022, so um, it's a prog band, or a prog project, really, with heavy metal leanings, I will say. And it probably would be of interest to Seven Sisters fans, of course, but I think it sounds different enough to Seven Sisters in order to justify its existence as a side project. And side project actually doesn't do it any justice. That term often makes you think of something that's left over from the creativity that you have with your main band and you just need to get it out. But this is anything but that. So the first single, Keep On Running, was released in July, uh, 2nd of July 2021. Just a four-minute song. It's not a huge prog epic or anything like that. But from the opening riff, you know you're in Flavortown. Here it is. Now just moving on to Kyle's vocals around the 30 second mark. Have a listen. So to me, Kyle McNeil is improving all the time as a vocalist. You've got those kind of proggy lyrics, because this is prog, but has metal flourishes, as I said. But yeah, you know you're kind of listening to prog music, but if you're alright with that, there's heavy guitar, there's great guitar melodies, there is catchy choruses. There is catchy choruses. Um, And on that note, let's have a listen to the chorus, which is a complete earworm. 
have a look at the solo that comes a bit later. Yes, solos can be earworms too. after listening to that my question is how can one man have so much melody to give and we're only on the first song so that was the debut single keep on running and it was the title track from the debut called keep on running the next release from phantom spell was immortals requiem released in the 19th on the 19th of august 2022 the first song is kind of an intro-y scene setting song bit of wind bit of thunder um but at the end we get the seamless lead into track two i'm just going to play the end of the first track here which is, sorry, leading into the second track called Dawn of Mind. And then it goes straight into Dawn of Mind here. It's another one of those irresistible riffs that opens this song, Dawn of Mind. But we have some kind of restrained vocals then, and we get a bit of a faster riff with some extra flourishes a bit later on. verse that comes in around 205 this is just obscenely good Just an exceptional song. This album is already blowing my mind and I'm only two songs in. Of course, I've listened to it before, but hopefully it's blowing your mind as well. The next song I wanted to talk to you about is track number four, and it's the last one I'll touch on on this album. It's my favorite song on the album. It's a punchy four-minute summary of what you can expect from Phantom Spell. So let's have a listen to the chorus here. Just another fantastic earworm chorus with those excellent vocals. It's so catchy. You go away singing it. You want to listen to it again. And there are longer songs on this album as well, but they're well executed. They don't hang around. They don't outstay their welcome. It's just excellent musicianship, singing, songwriting. And it's an album I can't recommend enough. All right, so that was Phantom Spell. So I fully recommend you give them a listen. The music is up on Spotify, but it's also available on Bandcamp. I know Kyle released the album on a CD and now it's available on LP as well, on vinyl. So go and look that up. You'll find it. Uh, there's a Bandcamp, there's a Facebook page, etc. You'll find it if you Google it. Um, highly recommend Phantom Spell. The next band I want to talk about is called Lucifer. L-U-Z-I-F-E-R. 
So I'd say these are like an excellent, if slightly off the wall, like another kind of extra or side project from three of the members of the German speed metal band Vulture. So there's five people in Vulture, three of them split away from Vulture, not split away, sorry, three of them ventured off from Vulture to create this side project back in 2022 as well. So this was released on the 25th of March, 2022. So we're nearly a year removed from this and I'm only finding out about it recently. So um, I was watching a video on Banger TV on YouTube with Sarah Kitteringham, Sarah Kitteringham, sorry, from Smolder. Uh, she did a video with Blaine Smith on Banger TV recently and it was their Lockhorn series where they go into a genre of music and they go back to the start and they talk about the essential albums and they talk about, you know, the good albums and whatever. Um, and then they talk about the proto albums. So, for example, this one was on the new wave of traditional heavy metal and proto new wave of traditional heavy metal was bands like Rainbow um, things like that in the mix um, they talked about Manila Road as well uh, but then they mentioned like the the albums that are essential that you have to have in the genre or the subgenre and it was an excellent video it's, it's about 2 hours 2 hours 20 minutes long and they go through a genre but one of the bands that Sarah Kitter- Kitteringham mentioned um, was the band Lucifer and I hadn't heard of them and I gave them a listen um, on Spotify and I really like this album. As I said, it's a bit off the wall. If you are going to watch this, sorry, one more thing on the Banger TV video. I, just, I recommend that channel in general just for a lot of different things that they have going on. They did a, a great uh, couple of episodes on the the history or the cultural significance of the patch jacket or the battle vest, if you want. She was the presenter of that one and there are other ones as well. Um, and loads of stuff, constant uploads there. But if you are going to watch that video about the um, new wave of traditional heavy metal where they chase the genre back to its roots, I'd highly recommend you have something to take notes on because you're going to want to be stopping the video multiple times to write down names of bands and releases that you're going to want to listen to. In fact, you're probably going to pause the video so you can go and listen to a song and then come back and watch it so that you kind of are in the know then about what they're talking about. But Or maybe that's just me, I don't know. But it was a great video, and it gave me a band, Lucifer, and that wasn't even a main talking point. It was only a side point in a, in a, in a conversation on, on the video. But yeah, um, as I said, this is slightly unconventional, off-the-wall kind of heavy metal, but it's great stuff. This song is called Barrow Downs, and it's track number two on the album. The album is called Iron Shackles, as I said, released in March 2022. So just here's the intro of this song. Whispers, trust no sound, dangers creeping all around. Avoid all whispers, trust no sound, and there is fog on the narrow downs. Yeah, so it's kind of odd time, kind of proggy sounding. Moves on now. Hammond organ going on there and the singing is interesting as well like it's it's not necessarily the melody you'd expect for the music that accompanies it but I don't mind that in a band sometimes when they make it interesting and they make it listenable some singers just don't hit the notes and you want to turn it off but in this case I think it's almost purposeful and it's deliberately to sound a bit off kilter and that's what I like about it so I won't play any more songs from this, but again, it's available online if you go and look it up, um, and you can listen to it at your leisure. I highly recommend this if you want to listen to something a little bit different from what's on the rest of this list, really, or what preceded it. Another band I'd like to discuss is, again, another kind of project thing. So there's a lot of these happening here. Um, Phantom Spell, Lucifer, Conquest. Oh, sorry, they're called Conquest. Uh, So Conquest is in a Italian band or project using the kind of Haunt or OTSC or Phantom Spell model where there's one core member basically um, and in this case he has touring members so 
similar more to Holland actually than Out That Sea, who has never toured yet, Stephen. But yeah, so I saw this band at Keep It True Rising 2 back in September slash October 2022. I think it might have been September because I think they were playing on the first night or day, which was the 30th of September. I can't remember for certain. Anyway, I'm splitting hairs here. Who gives a fuck what day it was? It was last year. And uh, they were brilliant. And I didn't know anything about them, really, except that they had an album out the previous year, back in 2021, which I listened to a bit of on the new wave of traditional heavy metal full albums page on YouTube. And I remember liking it, but I think that's as far as I went. And I don't think it was on Spotify. So that was about it. And then I saw they were playing. I was like, oh, and they had a new album coming out, uh, but it didn't come out until November 2022. Um, I can't be certain if they played songs from it live because I wasn't too familiar with any of the stuff, really. But it was one of my favorite bands of the weekend. So this is a track, track number eight on the album, the longest song on the album, the final song on the album. It's called Warrior from a Future World. Um yeah, and I meant to say, sorry, it's one core member here who's in multiple different bands. He's in bands called Dragnet, Fate, among others, and that's Alex Rossi. So he does absolutely everything in Conquest, except, of course, he has live musicians who tour with him as well. So let's have a listen to the start of this song. After an opening chant, uh, we get a riff that wouldn't feel out of place on an early Iron Maiden album. To me, that sounds like something that could have been on Killers, Number the Beast, something like that. It's actually hitting a particular nerve. Is it The Prisoner, maybe? I think it might remind me of The Prisoner, actually. Okay, now let's take it to the chorus. I mean, this could be a heavy load song back from the mid-80s. Um, a lot of the songs are reminiscent of heavy load. I think that Alex is quite clearly a big fan of heavy load, and probably Thin Lizzy and probably Iron Maiden as well. So have a listen here. So a nice, catchy, memorable chorus there. And then uh, later on in the song, uh, around the four and a half minute mark, it speeds up a bit. Have a listen to that there. later than that about half a minute later we're really channeling heavy load here This is an eight-minute song, but it has loads of different sections in it, so you get some great soloing. Oh, 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 
then the song closes with some synth and some nice melodic guitar. So I'm only going to play you one, or sorry, I'm only going to play clips from one song from that album. But it's a great amalgamation of all the things that make Conquest good. And it's the longest song on the album. So that's why I chose to play it, because it has multiple different sounding parts. And if you like this, if you like those parts, it's likely that you'll like the rest of the album and the album that preceded it as well. So give that a listen. It's Time and Tyranny from Conquest. And that song was called Warrior from a Future World. Now, the last song I want to bring you is from a Canadian band from Ottawa called Scepter. This is their first ever single that they've released. It's called Shadows in the Tower and the song itself it's called Shadows in the Terror. I don't know why I'm saying that. Obviously, if it's the single is called Shadows in the Terror, the song is called that. Unless I were playing a B-side or something like that, but I'm not. Um, so Josh, the lead guitarist in the band, is a friend of Andrew DeBroy. And I was over in uh, Ottawa for Andrew's wedding back in September, as I've mentioned a couple of times. And um, Josh's band, Scepter, were playing a gig in the Dominion Tavern on the bill with Haunt, Seven Sisters, and another band called Entranced. That was a fantastic gig, which I may have mentioned before on Feckin' Metal, but I can't remember if I had. And if I have, I apologise. And if I haven't, I'm going to talk about it now. So, unfortunately, Haunt had issues with their drummer, where he wasn't allowed entry into Canada from the United States, so he had to miss the Canadian dates on the tour. But... Seven Sisters were happy to step into the headline slot and Haunt were able to get a stand-in drummer but they could only do five songs on their set list because they didn't have sufficient time to rehearse but they still gave it a fucking great shot and played Luminous Eyes which is probably my favourite ever Haunt song. I went up to Trevor afterwards and I told them that it was one of the songs that got me into the new wave of traditional heavy metal and it did back in, I don't know, you're talking probably 2018. Uh, I know it was out in 2017 but I don't think I heard it right when it was released. Anyway, it was great, got to chat with Trevor, got to chat with Seven Sisters lads and all that. Seven Sisters put on a fantastic performance, but also fantastic were the support acts Scepter, who I'm going to play a song from now, and Entranced. And Scepter actually had a stand-in singer on the night, uh, so they didn't even have their regular singer, but they made a great stab at it and they had a fantastic gig. Like For a band you'd never seen before, uh, the music really hit me anyway. Um, first time hearing it so this song starts with a fast heavy kind of melodic riff uh, with a harmony coming in behind it so have a listen to this So that's a real example of one of those riffs where you know you're in safe hands straight away. Then the vocals kick in afterwards. kind of echoes of Matt Barlow from I Start There to mention I Start Again he had this kind of low baritone regular singing voice but then a high pitched shriek where you can still clearly make out what's been sung and it doesn't go into over the top territory I don't think um, the chorus comes in now around 1 minute 14 with some powerful vocals That's the first single from Scepter. It's called Shadows in the Tower. It's available now. They also have a Bandcamp page. This is also available on Spotify. They have a Facebook page too. Go and check them out. For me, they are one to watch in 2023 when the full album finally does come out. No release date yet, but keep your eyes and ears peeled for that one. All right, so my initial plan on this episode was also to talk about upcoming festivals in 2023, either ones that I have tickets to and I'm definitely going to or ones that I'm thinking of going to, just to do a rundown of the bands at each one and talk about the festivals themselves. But I think this episode has probably gone on long enough, so I'm going to cut it here and I'll talk about that at a later date. So I hope you enjoyed this. It's a departure from what I've been doing recently, of course. There was no interviews. I hope the lack of another voice didn't put you off listening to this episode for 
however long it is. I don't know. I haven't edited it in the sound clips yet, as I say it, but I'm guessing it's going to be over an hour. I probably will have some more interviews coming up in the next while. I don't exactly know what's on the cards yet for the next couple of episodes, but I've some ideas. So keep your eye on Twitter. That's at Feckin' Metal Cast. Keep your eye on whatever your pod catcher, pod playing, podcast playing device of choice is. And yeah, I'll see you next time. Thanks for listening. I've been your host, Fergal Trainer. Yeah.